Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hey, DC family, welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Iran Soroka of Sport 5 Israel in a couple minutes. He's their NBA analyst or one of their NBA analysts. So he's really familiar with Denny Abdia particularly. And I think, you know, given his recent play, you know, Denny deserves kind of a shout out here. I heard some rumblings about players maybe not being happy with their offensive role. So not wanting to play defense. Well, Denny seems to like thrive on playing defense. So I I think that deserves some praise. and, And we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball betting action you need this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get to our conversation. Again, going to be about the Wizards and defense and uh, a lot of love for Denny Avdia. So if you're pro Denny, this is the conversation for you. All right, let's hit it. All right, I'm going to bring in Aran Soroka here from Sport 5 in Israel. You're an NBA analyst, but I know you've got a, a special affinity for for our own Denny Avdia here too. So I, I said on the intro before I brought you in that, you know, I thought Denny deserved a little love. So, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to do that. And we're going to we're gonna talk the young man up a little bit here. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining me. Thanks for hosting me, Matt. It's a great honor. Uh, and I'll have to commend you for the Dan Grantfield episode. Uh, this is the second straight episode you're doing with somebody from in, in Israel, an Israeli connection. And he played like four years in Israel and uh, was very lovable as a, as a guy, not like a, a, a landmark player, but uh, we loved it. We loved him here. And uh, I loved hear his story, his family story on your previous episode. It was fascinating. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, he was he's a great guy. And uh, it, it really was like just a, an incredibly interesting book and well done and, and obviously tough, you know, subject matter. Um, you got to kind of do that in the right way to do it justice. And I definitely think he did that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a pro-Israel podcast here. So uh, we'll, we'll keep that going here a little bit with some some more uh, Denny Avdia chatter. Just to start us out here, I think anybody who's listening to this knows enough about the Wizards to know it has not been a particularly fun last month overall. You know, you've got a team that started 10 and 3. Uh, and, you know, they've been 6 and 12 basically since then. And, you know, a very large reason for that has, has been their defense. That first 13 games, they have a fifth overall in defensive rating. They're 28th in that last uh, 
18 ish, 17, 18 ish game stretch. So pretty big drop off here. What have you seen from, from this team overall that, you know, you would kind of point to, is it just that is a defensive effort or, or what else is going on? I think that the, in a way the 10, three start was misleading and maybe less like, you know, um, telling what the real projection of this team is maybe uh, even better than this six and 12, because this is after all, if we remember the odds in the beginning of the season, most of the people uh, predicted the wizards would be like between the plane and the lottery. And then they like came off the gate and surprised everybody, but like they became predictable in a way because uh, Western cell, they like stuck to the formula that worked and it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, uh, they had amazing clutch numbers. Uh, so it means that every time they could like hand uh, uh, make it a tough competition, make it a close one, they had the means to to pull it out because they had like players like Bill, like Kuzma, like uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, who had like um, the, the latter two had um, championship experience for like mm-hmm. a, a year ago. And in a way, I think that this was like the um, it raised the expectations to an unfair level in a way and then uh, also they had like a schedule that wasn't like the toughest and then they started to playing not only the west but the you know the lines of the west the suns the jazz uh although they the jazz the nuggets uh, the Jokic, and i think that there are some problems first of all the defense uh you probably covered the, the pick and roll issues uh, a lot but you think rough. that um yeah it's been very rough i think that's more than that um when you're looking about the starting five of the Wizards, they had Bernabeu, which is an all-star that didn't play like an all-star. They had an, a starting point guard that came off a tough injury and is not like himself from the peak days in Brooklyn. They had two guys who've never been more than the second banana, more than third banana uh, in a good team. Uh, although Kentavious Caldwell was the third best guy after the Lakers when they won the title, but it was like... That's the third best guy after LeBron yeah. and Davis. So he overachieved to do that, and it was still yeah. a pretty big drop off. Yeah. So and and, then, and Gafford, which like literally like a year ago was um, an end of rotation guy in Chicago. So yeah. a lot of players just had to to overachieve, and it it was sustainable for about a month. But then when reality stroke, when the initial uh, enthusiasm was like dwindling a bit, I think that they got more into like their like less more and less like real real you know that the lining up with the initial expectation because i think that every wizards fan if you will tell him that after 31 games the team will be like 500 hovering around 500 they will say great (laughs) it means they're doing good so yeah it it wasn't like um, the the first 13 games wasn't the best what wasn't like the most um how would i say um symbolic they were symbolic in a great in a sense of a great start if a great start for Wes, a great start for the new players but it was over exaggeration in a way and uh it ended and now they're like more or less like uh hovering around the 500 if they will be able to do that for the rest of the way i think this will be a great season nevertheless uh, if they uh finished in the playoffs or in the plane yeah i, I totally agree with you there i i think me specifically, I would have happily taken, you know, 16 and 15. Uh, I said before the year, I thought they would be 41 and 41. So I'm not surprised by the 500, but I'm definitely surprised by the really hot start and the really cool second half of of the first, I don't know, third of the season here. So uh, yeah, it's the way they've been doing it, right? You mentioned they've been playing tougher teams, but 
they've also had like some total no shows against uh, not particularly good games. Uh, teams, the, the Pelicans game stands out. Uh, losing that game late against the Kings, I think, is honestly like probably the most painful loss of the season because uh, it just seemed like those are the kinds of games they closed out early in the year. And I really just kind of thought that was one of their, you know, games where they just like cruise to the end and then put them away and and, and never really did. But there's been all kinds of chatter recently about uh, shot attempts and things like that leading to lessened defensive effort, let's say. And, and even Wes Unsell Jr.'s kind of called that out specifically a couple of times. He said, we're getting tested now. And he was personally frustrated and wanted to know, do we care enough to improve defensively? Said he's not disappointed with the losses, but more kind of the way they've lost and just the slips in defensive effort. And I think that's sort of exactly where like the whole fan base is at this point. Like if you lose games to good teams or even bad teams, like it, it happens over 82 games. But um, the sort of identity that it seemed like this team had carved out for itself has kind of been non-existent for, I don't know, the last most of the last month other than this jazz game. Do you think yeah, they got you, back on track with the Jazz game, or do you think that that is sort of another blip in the radar here? I think that in a way, uh, I hope it's not a blip in the radar, and we should have been seeing that in Brooklyn, but the game was postponed. Right. Uh, so um, I think that one thing that is contributing, and they didn't mention to the recent string, is that this team lacking a veteran leadership. Yeah. You know, they had Brad Beal, and they had Cruz, and they had uh, KCP, and but nobody of them was a leader in mm -hmm. their team. Like KCP and and Cruz was deferring to LeBron, and obviously Davis and all the people there and Bradley Beal he's supposed to be this leader but not every great player is a leader and especially when you're playing like less than 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 your best mm -hmm. and you can say about a lot of things about Russell Westbrook like good things bad things horrible things amazing things but he was a leader he was like the guy that takes everything on his back like he did on his like revenge tour and the last part of this last season and he he didn't let the Wizards lose you didn't love to, you didn't have to love everything that he did uh, as Avdia fans. Uh, we didn't have like any things to say because he didn't get the ball. Um, actually, in one of the satirical shows in Israel, they just like every Independence Day, people are um, like lighting a, a, a flame like in the in the ceremony. So people said like they brought Danny Avdia and uh, like on, on video and said, okay, you now get to, to light the flame because the ball won't get to you. Oh, in, wizard, in the yeah. Wizards. Yeah. So, we saw so that way too, if it helps here. Yeah, yeah. So Westbrook, for all the good and bad, he was a leader. He was a flow raiser. And I don't think that the Wizards have this kind of leadership in this team. And 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 when you don't have it among the players, maybe you're going to the coach. Mm -hmm. But the coach is also a rookie. He had like lots of experience as a, an assistant coach. But when you combine it all together, somebody that can take this team and like, shake it off and, and take it out of the mud. I think this, this team is lacking um, one, one person like this. Westbrook was not only like sort of the locker room leader, you know, from like motivation standpoint, but also like the energy leader. Like he was the guy that was going to pump everybody up. I, I thought Montrez Harrell would be that guy for the rest of the team, you know, and, and get everybody pretty hyped. It seemed like the case early on, but you know, we're starting to see some like passive aggressive post game comments. And, and that's just sort of not the guy I think you want setting the tone for your whole locker room. You know, last year, you also had Ish Smith and Robin Lopez, like everybody pointed to them as sort of like the other low key leaders of the team pulling people aside. 
I don't know who that is this year. You know, maybe Neto can do that with some of the other guys. Uh, you know, you heard a little bit of that with uh, Anthony Gill pulling, you know, Corey Kispert aside, but Anthony Gill is not going to rally Bradley Beal to go back out <laughs> and play defense. And that's sort of the the thing I, I thought was huge. The first 10 or so games, they got Beal to buy in defensively. And he's largely been a turnstile since then. Like it, it just, um, and if, if your best player is sort of totally out on the prospect of, of guarding at all, and again, you don't need him to be an all world defender, but there has to at least be some sort of minimal effort to, to buy in at that point. And uh, just that's, that's totally gone away since then. Bill stopped buying in defensively and Dinwiddie stopped buying in offensively, I yeah, think, exactly. in a way. And <laughs> this was a level combination. And you don't even have like, you know, um, a top six person, six men uh, to bring off the bench to to take them off. Like Neto or Holiday, they're good, good players, but not like in the in in the starting point guard level. Um and and we need to remember that as well. Yeah, actually, I remember that was uh, when Seld was uh, introduced. The first time he said that about Bill and Westbrook, that they want to be coached. They want to be uh, playing defense. It's also, also, Bradley Bill was uh, appearingly playing defense for Team USA before he got COVID and got cut. But um, yeah, but then, then Westbrook like left. And uh, I... And I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Bill. And on he, he came back to the Bill. He was in defense, like the notorious Bill, notorious B E E A. I like that. That's a good pull. You know, you're 100 right. And I think the margins are so small in the NBA. If if you have one guy take a step back defensively, another guy go totally MIA offensively, and your guys off the bench are two sort of minimum-ish contract or at best mid-level kind of guys you just kind of can't replace that production because you just can't expect Neto to be a 15 per game player every night. And and I think that's really um, just a, kind of an unfair ask of him, but the wizards do have a guy on their bench that actively wants to play defense and is seemingly very good at doing so as somebody who is interested in Denny Avdia's success, particularly when watching this team, how frustrating has that been to see like he comes in and plays very well and then seemingly goes through a stretch where, I'm not sure why, but just he kind of takes a backseat to some people. I think that one of the issues with Danny was like everybody loved him because he's so tough on himself. Sure. You know, when he's do, doing like one one bad shot, one bad miss, it carries over for the next three, four minutes. And I, I said that it's it's very nice, it's charming, it's fun, it's 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 funny to to see this, but it's not good for the basketball team. <laughs> it's not good for your basketball career if you're losing confidence. And I think that what is is uh, going better for Danny uh, the last uh, the last like weeks is that his confidence is better. Is a lot of um, a lot of criticism about uh, the Western Cell Junior was that he's tending to to stick to his rotation and take Danny off after he has a good play, a good moment to play. Like you could like drag it to like two or three more minutes, and he doesn't have like any problem fatigue or mm-hmm. any problem of of like you know being in shape. Uh, he's always ready when you call him. He's always ready. Also, some games that when he was like. Um, getting to the bench and then all the big guys got out and foul trouble and then you need Danny from back for the next for the last minute after he didn't play seven minutes and he's doing it well like he played before. So the, the issues of confidence like for somebody 20, 21 years old like Danny is a huge thing. And um, 
in a in a in some kind of meaning you still remember you know Bradley Bill uh, like trashing him in a way Westbrook is the angry about him last season he was a rookie in a covid season <laughs> without fans without family without like everything so he, he his upbringing wasn't ideal and you add on top of it the injuries had he just now he's like completing a regular first um first season mm-hmm. um in, in terms of games played or on the verge of that so in a way uh, it takes time uh, he hit the rookie wall um sometimes and then he had the sophomore wall but i think it's coming along and the, the problem for me is that uh you you can be a stalwart on defense but the wizards already had a stalwart on defense on the first five which is gafford and abdia is playing defense um on on the different ways because he's he's also can switch with everybody and to to hang with everybody but if you have two players on the on the first five or like assuming you want to to have gefford on the court so if you have both danny and gefford and they're not creating for themselves then your offense is all already even more predictable and that's what i think that this combination on offense is uh, a bit problematic i actually think that if um the two of the things that uh, are working good for danny is first of all that danny brings out the best defensive version we've seen from montrez harrell in a way yeah, because when danny because when danny is taking people personally like and, and shutting them down so harrell is a great help defender when you don't have anybody to help <laughs> it's it's uh it's one thing but when you have Danny covering the main guy and Harrell only comes from the rebounds for the block shots this is a great combination and this is the best combination of bigs you probably have and this is the best combination but it comes from the bench so and then if you put Harrell on the starting center on the other side maybe they have like matchup problems against the Jokic's and the Embiid's of the world so this is in a way um some kind of uh, conundrum and I think actually that if Thomas Bryant uh, was here so maybe Thomas Bryant and Danny Abdia could be a, a nice uh, combination as well and Bryant is more similar to Harrell than to Gafford and also Bryant can you know uh, open the defense uh, from with an outside shooting and Abdia we saw that he's moving well um, um, off the ball So when Bryant is is uh, playing the shooter so Abdia can get to, to the dunker spot yeah. so We haven't seen this one yet and uh, I actually think this can this can work but uh, when Abdia isn't there, there is a like a persistent not problem but issue with Abdia because it's it's too early to call it a problem but when he's not involved in the offense when he's not getting to the chances to create to be the secondary playmaker he tends to like go MIA in a way uh, and you can't play four and five this league. So I think that's the main reason that he didn't get more minutes and now over the last games you see his shot coming because he's a streaky guy. He can like shoot 50% from three for a month and then 20% for the next month. But now he's in the 50. And when the offense is coming along, he's he's much much better player. Yeah, I think he's been getting more opportunities like consistent like stretches of minutes to be able to get into more of a rhythm. And you're right about the fit. Like I think an actual shooting big would allow him the space to to drive and kick and set other people up and be that facilitator that he was you know build as coming in. Like we still haven't seen like you know European Denny yet, right? Like it's 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 um that that style of play hasn't been able to kind of like fit with the right personnel yet. And 
I think some of the the Denny playing time stuff coincided with, all right, now Davis Bertans is back. Like we've got a shooter out here. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it just sort of, um, it's one more guy in the mix that they seem committed to giving minutes to. And uh, I think Denny got a little bit shortchanged, but you touched on something there that I hadn't remotely thought about to this point. And that's with Wes Unsell Jr.'s rotations, you know, typically it's an assistant coach's job to say, all right, you know, these are the kind of carved out minutes we've assigned for people. This is the script. Hey, head coach, like this guy is now due to come out. And it's the head coach to say, you know, based on feel like, hey, let's ride the hot hand. Let's break from the plan a little bit. Let's give him a few more minutes. And, and when you have a new head coach, he, he doesn't have that feel yet, right? Like there's no sort of track record of like, all right, let's let's roll with this a little bit longer and see if it pays off for us. So um, that that's a great call. I think, um, you know, the one thing I would say about Denny offensively, I, I don't mind even some of the passiveness based on the guys he's playing with, but it's the fish, like the finishing around the rim. Was that something he was better at uh, previously? Uh, or like, again, is, is this a, to me, it looks like a mental block thing. Like I've missed a few gimmies and now like I'm in my own head a little bit. I need to slow down. Like pace is a little different here. That's what it looks like. But I, you know, I'm not as familiar with his, pre-NBA career, as I know you are? Yeah, first of all, he's still, uh, as I said, he's still young. It's most of the times uh, you don't see, you don't see this kind of, uh, you know, maturity from the player defensively at yeah. the age of 20 to 21. So yeah. offensively, he's maybe like more close to his actual age than yeah. defensively. And I think that, yeah, this is a problem of confidence. Like of, uh, when you're missing one, give me, it can like... Uh, Take you snowball for the effect. next two, three. Yeah, snowball effect, and uh, he needs to shake that off, uh, obviously, because in in Maccabi Tel Aviv, for example, there were games that he, he even had this this same problem. Like uh, when he was like uh, missing one shot or two shots, he became tentative. But then he had games when he had like the ultimate like go to guy and you know f you mentality and going and and dunking on people or taking the ball coast to coast with long strides so it, it's a thing that come going and i think it, it becomes more stable nowadays by the way it's it's funny that we're talking about like about bertans shooting but bertans is shooting less than that's worse <laughs> than Danny this year yeah <laughs> below 30 percent as we speak that's a whole nother um, problem yeah 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 and also um yeah, I think that also there's something with the position because Danny last year was small forward. Right. And I think that the like on 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 offense, his best position is to still be like kind of secondary playmaker, but on defense, his best uh his best role is to be like the the, the four who is yeah. uh, going out to the perimeter to guard other guards. And totally switches. agree. So which which position is he playing? Um, and this is a position less basketball, but this is good. I think that also one one point that you you mentioned is that um, when the going gets tough, and you need like the six or seven minute mark in the fourth quarter, you say uh, if you're a South Junior, understandably you will say, okay, I got two guys who won the championship last year. One of them was amazing as a three and D guy. So it's either this one or Avdia that I know that I love Avdia, but uh, he has this confidence guy and and I, I trust KCP more, which is legit. But then uh, when they, when, for example, with, against Utah, when he went like out of his like 
stable uh, staples um and he was like trying to do something else boom it worked so so i think it's you know related also to the confidence that uh, Ansel junior has in himself um in this you know kind of guy because you you do want to go with what you trust and it's easier to trust kcp and kuzma than to trust a 20 21 years old guy no matter how good is he And I think sometimes for, especially for a young coach trying to establish himself in that locker room, like if you go with the, basically the guy with 50 games under his belt over the guy who, you know, with a ring, it's harder to explain that to your players, whether it's the right move on a given night or not. So now that he's established himself a little bit more, he's got a little bit of a hot streak going here. I, I think we mentioned that he's been better offensively as actually his first three consecutive double digit scoring stretch of his career he had um, 15 14 and 11 in his last three 11 and seven against Utah uh, so you know trending in the right direction I think makes it a little easier for for West to to justify giving him those minutes and actually unselled said every week every month we're seeing growth and that Denny defending the pick and roll is among the better things that they could um you You know kind of point to the season it could be like a real catalyst for change for them defensively and so yeah I think we've seen unsell be a pretty straight shooter so far so I think if, if we're hearing that he actually means that um one thing I want to ask you about sort of pivoting back to the finishing around the rim thing I asked Denny on media day uh his rookie year about like the you know difference in in competition in terms of size athleticism you things like that. And he got a little kind of defensive about it and said like, Oh, I've played against athletic people before. Like, you know, in the league I came from, we've had plenty of athletic players. And like, I, I know that that's true, but everybody at M- every position in the NBA is typically bigger and more athletic on average than, than sort of most of the, um, you know, national leagues overseas. So, you know, you're not seeing Joel Embiid every night. you know, when, when you're playing for Maccabi, but it's, you know, I know you still see some guys. So do you think that was a valid question to ask him? I don't know. He, he kind of took that one to heart, but uh, you know, you've seen the competition level there uh, a lot more than I have. So you, you tell me if that's off base or not. First of all, uh, there are uh, X NBA, lots of, lots of X NBA players in the EuroLeague mm-hmm. and not only in Israel, but also in the EuroLeague. You remember Amara Stoudemire was playing for a Paul Jerusalem some couple of years. He, yep. he wasn't, Picavari obviously but he was playing there a lot of players uh, are coming from the United States and they're big players like seven footers or 611 for example if you're taking the Euroleague so anadolu FS had a keyboard play say 220 game like 74 game and you're looking at Alba Berlin so they have like um Krista uh, Kumaje with his uh, 75. Uh, or so there are some big guys in the Euro League as well not only um, um, like every team has some seven footer or something like that so it's not like Avdi is playing like in the Korean League when everybody have to yeah, be like yeah. six, five I, I didn't mean to imply yeah. that either, yeah no, no. It, 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 it's not a bid or Jokic that's right that, that's for sure but I think that um, Avdi comes from uh, you know not, not only in Israel but also uh, Serbian 
Yeah, heritage. And uh, Europeans are tend to be like, uh, get defensive and get like uh, very loyal to their old. Um, it's like, like you won't like dismiss my old league. You won't dismiss my uh, my, my uh, old continent. Um, so I think it, it comes from there. And it also comes from the, you know, every time a European guy comes to the NBA, uh, when we're talking about Danny, let's talk about Luka Doncic, which was mm-hmm. uh, as, as the Hallelujah song. Uh, we didn't see him play Mizu. So, yeah. Um, and I think that today people know that, the, you know, the EuroLeague is probably the second best competition in the world. Yeah, better than NCAA, better than like everything else. Wholeheartedly so, agree. So if you're playing good uh, against the EuroLeague, you will probably be good, uh, not, not as good against the NBA, but you will experience some of the things that you're going to, to experience. Uh, Barcelona has Nicole Mirotic, which was a legit big in the NBA. So almost every EuroLeague team has this one. Uh, and then I think that um, also whenever you're coming from Europe, you're dealing with a higher bust potential. Because, you know, um, I think that if somebody comes from, I don't know, like, you know, Michigan State or Maryland or, or Florida or anything else, he has like this people who will defend him uh, when he, when, when, when something is not going right. And when you're coming from Europe, you don't have like this um, sense of belonging and you don't have like your entourage and your people around you and the people from the media who watched you since your high school. So I think it's part of the way that um, when you're feeling alone, you're feeling like um, not belonging in the sense that an American uh, NCAA college is playing. I think that also contributed to that uh, a bit. And um, yeah, we, we, we just love seeing Danny now. I think that, um, you know, what... Uh, actually, like a year ago, I did like a series of, of stories about him, about his fit to the NBA. One of them was um, about his fit as a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. And they talked with Ted Evan Blair, what was Mike, Mike D'Antoni's uh, assistant coach. And he said that today to, to be able to defend the two through five or one through five in the NBA, um, you have to be like long athletic and strong yeah. like you have to have those three and they and if you don't if you like one of these you have to cover with the other two and yeah, think or be Avdia, so smart that you can make up yeah. for it in, in some other way yeah. yeah so i think that Avdia is, is is checking all the boxes and you can't say a lot of times that a second year player is defending yanis and tetacupo and donovan mitchell with high um and like limiting them offensively yeah. so but then he already did that and he's like in the, in the before the midst of his second second season uh, we've had enough former wizards on on the show over the years that that have said like it took them at least like until like year three or four especially for guys playing sort of the front court like uh Don thomas and brendan haywood both said like it was year four for them when they first yeah. sort of like felt like they got it um so that the denny's got like that much of a head start on on that end is crazy and, and just going back to the like the euro league competition for a minute too um I, like i totally get it i have so much respect for for euro league euro cup uh like uh, like ne- all, even the next couple of tiers down but but it is different style of play right like you, you can pack the paint against people and uh you can kind of wall up more defensively like there's a lot more, hey, let's ISO, let's beat a man, you know, one-on-one, who's got a quicker first step kind of deal in, in an NBA setting, I think. And 
I think the physicality last year was an interesting thing for, for Denny to try to adjust to. And I don't know if it's partly like the rule changes this year a little bit to be sort of less, um, you know, touchy, uh, like that, that you can kind of actually bang with guys a little bit more, but he just seems to kind of get positioning better this year. And, and I think he's talked a lot about watching film and, and it seems like, um, and he also talked a lot about not watching a ton of NBA basketball before coming over too. So I, I think some of that is just like the mental learning curve is, is starting to catch up for him this year, as opposed to last year. Maybe that's because you're in Washington DC and every candidate like always only starts to work like on the third or fourth year to, to get another like term. Exactly. Um, <laughs> He's trying to get that next then, contract. I don't blame him. Yeah, two, two things that uh, I can say for Danny in this regard. First of all, he's hungry. He's very, very hungry and he's a sponge. He like mm -hmm. takes everything and he can like uh, show improvement from one game to another, like work on, the work on the tweak that he didn't get in the first time and now he gets it. Second thing, he's a physical guy. He, he strives for the positioning battle. He strives to get like physical. I think that in the first season he was like he he didn't get any you know respect from the referees because he's a rookie and he's a european rookie uh -huh. on top of that and the second year i think he he feels like more like he belongs more like he gets some some respect he already gets some reps he already gets some stature in this league uh, and i think it also um, makes him a better a better defender and a better a more physical defender because this year the the rule changes are are amazing for Danny he's he can like uh, be more physical he can bang a little more and that's for him is great he 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 lives from that he strives from that and um also i i think that also in offense he feels like he can have his way with like you know less the people trying to get like extra charges from him and uh he did have some problems that, like he's trying to take the ball to the basket and he gets a charge and then he, he doesn't try for another two or three minutes but like it, it all comes around slowly but maybe like uh when you're mentioning like people from Ethan like Ethan or Brendan Haywood maybe it's a very quickly actually and we don't uh like you know um put it um in this way so uh, yeah i think that um his confidence is growing i don't know like how many times the double digit streaks but as long as he's he's shooting is is good uh you will see great things from him defensively offensively um also like it it's like stinging a bit but i think he could have like uh an average of three assists per game yeah. until now because he's getting his his friends a lot of great shots that he's they're missing so mm -hmm. They're doing it on purpose. We know. No, kidding. But especially uh, that Utah game, like the ball really moved yeah. while he was on the court, and and this team just like hasn't made shots. Period. This year, so it's. I I totally agree. I I think if you're like moving the ball and helping people get the right shots, eventually, like the dam has to break, and some of them will go in for this team. Like they shouldn't be nearly as bad um, from the perimeter as they've been, in in my opinion. But I don't know. I guess the. You know, the proof is in the pudding there, as they say. So we'll we'll see. Um, you hit on Denny's attitude and, and mindset and just listening to the post game after uh, that Utah win. And just for context, for anyone that didn't see that game, Jazz players shot a combined seven of 20 from the field and two of eight from the three point line with Denny guarding them. Mitchell specifically uh, went 
uh, three for nine overall, one for four from three. And Denny said he just really wanted that win after dropping the last couple. They left a bad taste in his mouth. But the first thing he said was like, yeah, it's nice that you guys are complimenting me on my defense, but I couldn't have done this without my teammates, like putting me in a position to be successful. My coaches kind of like helping me understand the game plan to be successful. Like, uh, and then he just really is, wants to embrace the role of being a defensive stopper for the team and followed it up by, I'm not backing off anybody. I'm not scared of anybody. So you get the two things you want uh, as a fan of the team in one stretch of sound bites. there. You get humble and complimentary of teammates and then like confident and, um, you know, self-assured. I, I loved everything about uh, his comments the other night and, and most of the season, to be honest. Uh, it's like, you know, 2K when you finish a good game and you have to choose between fans and chemistry and then yeah. he will almost all the time will go to the chemistry. And even when talking, you you you, you said it, it's selfisher. But when you're talking to, your, to yourself like a defensive stalwart, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's very selfish. Like it's, it's no, self-assured, you know, pride, not selfish. Self-assured, ah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, you know, taking pride in th- something you go, but it's something that the whole team is benefiting for and not only your own statistical numbers. Um, and in a way, um, I think I, I love this also. I, I, the first thing I told, I don't remember if it was you or another like Wizards vlogger when Danny was drafted, I told him, you're going to love this kid. And I think that this attitude will, is making him lovable. I, I think in the locker room, uh, from what we see, uh, and also in the, in the local media and also like my fans, because this is the attitude you want from your, all of these players, yeah. uh, especially the ones that are not the stars. And it's, it's much easier to you know, differ to them later and give them other responsibilities when they're so like engaged, when they're so part of the team, when they're so like embracing the role, as you said. So when you're embracing your role, it's easier to be, to give you more afterwards. And uh, he's, um, yeah, he came from, you know, Maccabi Tel Aviv, there's, um, I think that Maccabi Tel Aviv have more pressure from the media than some NBA teams. If you're looking at teams like in, in smaller markets, they can go, you know, 10 years without playoffs and nobody around the NBA will care. Sure. But in Maccabi Tel Aviv, for example, now like they lost five or six games in the EuroLeague straight games and like everybody's what going to happen. Maybe we'll fire the coach. Maybe they, um, it's much more pressure. So in the way it, it helped them become more mature um, off the court. Um, you have a lot of, you know, media wants to interview because you were the number one team on, on your, on your country. And uh, yeah, it, it made him like much better, bigger person. Also, he had like, you know, the, the father who was a big basketball player back in the days. Mm-hmm. So he, he came like um, pretty well done, like on, on terms of a meet uh, to the NBA on this aspect, sure. not on the basketball aspect, but like on the personality aspect. We just had some reporting by The Athletic that several players are are concerned with their role. And like I said, that yeah. that's, that's led to their drop off in, in terms of defensive effort. And then you've got this, this like early twenties young man, I almost said kid there, but um, you know, I don't mean that like in a negative way, but he's, he is, uh, you know, almost a rookie in terms of games played still like, like you pointed out, like, and he's already very well poised and it's just like, here's the role that this team wants me to fill. I'm going to star in that role. And by the way, all of my teammates have been so helpful in me being good at that role. 
I, I wish we could hear that from every single person post game, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the NBA, unfortunately, uh, I think if we did, but yeah, I just, I, I've been like, un, you know, unbelievably impressed overall with, with the growth on the court defensively, even offensively. I, I think he looks more confident now than he did, you know, uh, when, when Scott Brooks kind of had him just like shoved in the corner most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, what's, what's the ceiling for this, uh, for this guy in, in your estimation, like what can Denny Avdia be longer term that that's the piece. Like I, I have a harder time projecting is like most guys, I feel like you could start to get a sense for like what their long-term role is, what their impact is. Uh, but, but I, I can't really feel that out for Denny yet so far. Um, I think that the, let's start from the bed because I'm a Murphyist. I'm a big believer in Murphy law. I think I like that the, 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 the seller is to be like a Rondé Olds Jefferson guy who can <laughs> like should play great defense, but I didn't want him to be this. And it looks like uh, he can be like much better guy. When I was doing the articles before the draft. So a lot of people around him that weren't like the most objectives guy, objective guys said that he can be a top 50 player. And I don't know if to be a top 50 player in a way that you can be like an alpha male, alpha mm-hmm. dog, but he can be like the the third best player on a contender mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. which is not, you know, to be like kind of a peak Joe Ingles, mm-hmm. to be kind of a Chris Middleton became before he became a superstar, mm-hmm. to be, you know, the, this kind of jack of all trades that can will get you the stop and will get you the assist and will get you the, the three the three pointer. So for me, this is a ceiling, like to be a top 50 player, never, maybe never an all-star, but a player that, you know, good teams will fight for on free agency. Uh, not maybe on a max contract, but in the 15 years. 15 million a deal a year, 20 million per year. You don't know what the salaries will look like when he will finish his uh, his rookie contract. But he can be, uh, for me, a top 50 player, a third place player in, uh, on a contending team. And he he contributes to winning. Um, one of the things that we never, that, that Danny is so eager to, to come to the playoff is that we never saw an Israeli player in the playoff. We did have TJ Leaf, and when he was playing for the Pacers, but he was like end of rotation guy, and he wasn't. He was born in Israel, but mostly raised in the United States. He did play for the Israeli youth team, but he didn't. He wasn't considered like a, you know, one of us by by a lot of team, but a lot of people. And Omri Kaspi, unfortunately, had his ankle injury when he was the Golden State, and Gal Mekel never did it. So then he wants to be like the Israel, the first Israel in the playoff, and then he was. Um, all his life, when he led the under twenty-one team to the national to the European Championship, he's a guy that contributes to winning. And now you're all seeing this. And uh, I think that um, you know more playing time for Danny in the long term will result in more winning. I don't know if they will be in the first place, but when you're looking about uh, on the on the teams that surprise the odds at the most, so you're seeing the Cavs, you, you're looking at other teams, you think is it sustainable? And for the Cavs, for example, you see that they found a formula that worked, like the big lineup, the uh, Okora two. Um, and for the Wizards, you see, is there anything that is sustainable? And maybe I don't know. Danny's defense is is a thing that they can put their head, hang their head on uh, for the rest of the way. And maybe when they have like more the bigs back, maybe they try different combination until they find something that sticks. And Danny, Danny can win games for you. And you saw it against the Jazz, you saw it against the Bucks, you saw it against the Lakers last year. Then he can win games for you. And given the time, he will. 
I believe. I actually like the Ingles comp there. Like that's kind of the level of player that 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 I see only from uh as a guy that played defense, he can be a secondary creator. Obviously not the shooter that Ingles is, but Ingles wasn't the shooter that Ingles is, you know, for for the first uh, several years of his career, people forget, you know, the Clippers cut him, things like that. Like that's a guy that spent a ton of time in the gym reinventing his shot. You hear Denny say the other night that he works a ton on the shot putting lots of extra hours in when they're on the road, when they're at home, he's in the practice gym, like before and after games. Like, I think that's, that's the thing that kind of drives the ceiling, right? If, if he can be a guy that can also spot up as opposed to just kind of a, a creator ball handler, I, I think that that's where you get like the next level un, unlocking of, of Denny as a player. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that too, about like a, a winning player, right? Like a lot of times you have guys that get drafted where he got drafted and then they spend a few years on, on bad teams. Not that the wizards are an especially great team, but you know, they made the playoffs in his first year. They seem like they have a reasonable shot at making the playoffs again this year. So uh, I think just even, you know, being able to make a first round and get him some minutes in that would be really valuable experience for him. Um, Just, just to kind of know what does and doesn't work in the playoffs, what he has to work on, and how he can kind of fit in from a team context there. And and you talked about fit and style of play. I would love to see this team run a little bit more, especially, you know, from time to time, a small lineup, maybe Kuzma at the five, Denny at the four, and, you know, whatever you want to do around them, maybe when Rui comes back, him out there with them as well. Uh, and you have this sort of versatile, uh, switchable front court. But I think that's where you unlock him offensively from, from the clips I had seen, you know, um, before he got drafted, like this was a guy that liked to push the ball in transition and made smart plays with the ball. And, uh, you know, I understand why Wes Unseld wants to keep it slow and set up the defense and things like that, but there's gotta be, you know, a balance there where you kind of let your horses get out and do what they do. And, and Denny would, would certainly be somebody I'd want on the floor when they're trying to do that. How many times did we see Danny grab a rebound and starting to run and then stops and give it to Russ or give it to Spence and exactly. give it to Bradley? And and I think that as because these kind of plays are amplifying his his confidence, are uh, bringing out the noise from the crowd, are are wowing his teammates. They are making the highlights and you know they 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 pumping up all the things. So. Uh, as much times as Danny, we, we saw him like leading the ball in transition in the game against the Jazz, the, the first basket, maybe or the second one. So when in transition, he's smart, he's long, he's quick, and he can do all the things together. His dribbling is, is, is pretty good. Uh, not perfect, uh, obviously, but pretty good. And then you, you, you see unlocking his potential, as you said. Uh, I will try, I will love to see them running more because it seems like the, uh, the pace is, is like try to cover for the limitations. And, and like uh, pushing the pace can be, can be nicer, being more, less conventional will be nicer and giving Danny the ball to, to create more on transition or semi-transition or like off the first pick and roll um, will be great uh, in my opinion. You have them like first, second and third actions on one half court set, right? Where like, yeah. it, it's, it's really um, methodical at times. And, and I don't know that they're all there yet. You've heard Wes talk about having to like dumb down the offense already. Well, here's a way to do it. You've got a good rebounding guy who can actually dribble and, and push the ball. Like, let's let him do that. Let 
KCP, Kuzma, and Beal spot up for a change. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that's sort of what they've missed, in my opinion, as well. So I, I'd love to see that. Uh, this has been great. I appreciate the expertise so much here. Uh, where can folks find your work? Please plug the social media handles, all that kind of stuff, um, and, and let everybody know where they can check out more of what you're doing. Yeah, um, so in Twitter, I'm Sorokman, S-O-R-O-K-M-A-N. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm actually like a marketing manager for a conversational AI startup. Uh, this is like my day job. Sure. And the sports channel I'm writing from time to time, uh, Sport5, it's only all in Hebrew, so I don't know how many of your listeners will uh, go to Google Translate, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually there, and yeah, the let me know if I can help with anything and I love to give my opinions about like anything that's going on in the NBA. When, uh, when we go to our little podcast stats and breakdown, we are, are surprisingly uh, a good percentage of this uh, listenership seems to be from Israel. So um, hopefully they, they can, uh, they can make the jump there if they're not already checking your workout. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe they already did. Then you will have like even more like hits from Israel. I'm doing a spoiler for you. I love it. I'll take it. Um, this has been great. Thank you so much. I would love to do this again as the season goes on. Happy to have you on. Um, thank you for making this work. I know, you know, it's a, it's a tough time of the year for everybody. Everybody's busy and stuff too. So um, thanks for, thanks for fitting me in everybody. Check, uh, check this man out. He knows what he's talking about uh, much more than I do. So it's good to have some uh, expertise on here today. Yeah. Your sports is great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me and keep up the great work, man. How great was that? Uh, Ron is incredibly knowledgeable about the game. I uh, really appreciate him coming in. And it is just kind of nice to, to have somebody that can talk to you about, you know, what a player was like before they were here. Like, obviously, I, I do a reasonable amount of like draft scouting and things like that. I, I do like European basketball in general, but it is just sort of harder to get your hands on, um, you know, as many like good, uh, impactful games for, for players, unless you're spending a ton of time on synergy to really break that down, which to be honest, I'm, I'm too lazy to do in some stretches. So it's easier to just have a real expert come in and, and talk to you about like, you know, what Denny is actually capable of. I think this is kind of one of those situations where like, you know, sometimes you see a one and done guy go to college, um, but they get put in a role where they're maybe not exactly like you know, Kentucky had Carl Towns, but didn't let him shoot any threes. Well, if you watched him in EYBL, like the guy could shoot prior to getting to Kentucky. So like, I think this is sort of the case with Denny. Like, I think there's more there than we've been able to see so far. And just again, like, I think pace is really an important thing, right? Like slowing down, letting the game slow down around you, I think will be, be big for him. And I think that'll lead to sort of more finishes around the rim, um, you know, more confident drives, things like that, drawing more fouls, all, all that kind of good stuff. So we'll see. Uh, just got a couple other quick hitters to get to, but but first, um, word from another, another one of our sponsors here, Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, 800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, and they're priced so they won't have to. They really make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Uh, again, just a couple more things I want to hit on here. Obviously. 
Uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast, the Wizards will have had at least one game postponed uh, be- because of COVID-related issues. And uh, that's the Brooklyn Nets game for starters. You know, they've got a game against the Knicks after that, then Philly, Miami, like it's it's a reasonably tough stretch of games here. And, and the NBA seems like it's, you know, in sort of a tough way. I, I think this is actually the stretch of the year that like, and I've said this all along, it sounds really bad to say, but I, I thought the Wizards would be well poised for an inevitable sort of COVID outbreak, especially if you get Rui back, you get Thomas Bryant back. Like those are two more capable bodies to fill in where you have teams that are super top heavy, you know, top two guys are in protocols and you're replacing them with rookies or G league players or old veterans and, and things like that. It's just, it's a little harder to kind of like weather the COVID storm uh, when, when your roster is constructed sort of a, a different way than the wizards is. So I don't know if they actually start playing these games while, while other teams have skeleton crews, you know, sort of not the way you want to win games, but it, it might be sort of, um, you know, a, a smart, uh, prudent move by Tommy Shepard to kind of go as deep into this lineup um, as he has. So we'll see what that looks like. Hopefully, you know, by the next podcast, they will have actually played some of these games. But I, I just want to circle back to that, the athletic article about, you know, the certain players having issues with the offense and things like that. Again, I, I watch a good amount of NBA basketball. I think I'm by no means sort of an expert on everybody else's um, offensive schemes or, or anything like that. But I don't think, you know, maybe there's too much of running, running one action to get into another one, to get into another one. Like that's all stuff a new coach has got to figure out. And and that's a feel thing. Like, okay, you know, we tried this. It doesn't work for this, uh, this personnel group or whatever. Like that gets better over time. And this can't be the first time some of these guys have played for a new coach in a new situation. So I, I think it's kind of disappointing that they're not giving him like two full months before we're sort of fringe mutinying on the side. Um, maybe they've kind of gotten out of the funk or been able to hash it out behind closed doors. I don't know. But uh, the fact that, you know, one of the lines from that article that stood out the most was frustrations are high and players have obliquely voiced concerns about the offense during recent media sessions. You've got Montrez Harrell saying you've got to throw a squirrel a nut, uh, you know, that he doesn't need to post up every time, but but you've got to kind of, you know, reward the big man is a phrase you used to always hear, uh, you know, growing up. And, and I think there is some truth to that. Like if Harrell's going to, you know, throw himself around like a crazy person to try to get offensive rebounds and put backs and, and do some dirty work, like they do owe it to him to give him a couple, you know, good looks and clean touches. But at the same time, I think that's what they're trying to do. Like you're, they're trying to have this, this offense that is sort of equal opportunity and do that same thing for Harold, but do it for everybody. And, and that's not always going to work. And there are going to be some nights where guys take a back seat. And it's not like Harold hasn't had, you know, there are peaks and valleys in a season, right? Like there are opportunities for some players where, hey, Gafford's out. Harold, you're going to get like fed a steady diet of post touches and all these things, and, and you're going to play heavy minutes or, Hey, some nights Gafford might look better or whatever, or you're going to be out and Gafford has to play big minutes. Like that's just sort of where we're at as a team. I I think this is, they've talked about next man up and and that needs to be the way they play. I think to be impactful and just, Hey, I went three games in a row where I didn't, I only got eight shot attempts as opposed to 10. So I'm not going to really try to set real screens and I'm, I'm using Harold as an example. I'm not, I'm not picking on him specifically as, as the root of all the issues here or anything, but 
you apply that to KCP or whatever too. Like, okay, KCP, you only you didn't get to put the ball on the floor and isolate a couple times. Like, oh, okay, so be it. Like, Kuzma, same deal. Like, guys are going to have to suck it up, and and that's what this team is going to need to win. I tweeted during the Jazz game the shot, um, the the shot attempt profile of both teams, and they both have a high volume scorer in Mitchell and Beal, and then. You know, the next eight guys, they vary from like 10 shots a game down to like six or seven. I mean, that's that's pretty much spreading the love. And you don't hear the jazz, uh, you know, complaining about shot attempts. Like we've heard a little bit of sort of what I took to be slightly passive aggressiveness from Spencer Dinwiddie with the like, you know, somebody on this team has to um, sacrifice shots like, well, yeah, that's true. But it doesn't mean you should sacrifice ever shooting the ball. If you get a good shot, you should take it. That's what an offense is designed for is to get people good shots. And and he's routinely passed up on them or not gotten by a guy when he has sort of a window to do so. And maybe we sit your ass down for a while, like whoever it is, like Neto looked pretty good closing out that game of the night. And he's not going to do that every night, but if he has the hot end, hopefully Dinwiddie and, uh, you know, uh, other of the starters are, are okay with that and understand that. And it doesn't have to cause, um, this sort of like lack of effort defensively or, or on the, on the rebound, you know, getting, getting rebounds, um, and pushing the ball, like whatever, however it's manifesting itself, like guys still have to play hard. That's the only way that this particular team is going to do anything that has to be the identity is like, we are a scrappy, tough bunch. And, no, we just really haven't seen enough of that. So I hope that this gives them a little bit of a boost and guys feel better that like, hey, we can spread the ball around. Guys can step up on any given night here and, and we're all okay with that. You show them that that works enough times. I think it's easier to get them to buy in. Hopefully the last two weeks is humbling for everybody. You do have some of these guys that are due a contract at the end of the year here. So it's in their best interest to sort of buy in and, and do what they can and and not sort of rock the boat too much. And, and I'll give Beal credit. He was really good in that jazz game. His post-game comments I have been critical of over the last couple of years here, but he's owned that he's got, you know, got to be better. And that he hasn't been very good and that his effort has waned on defense. He's actually one of the few guys I've heard say uh, that they have not defended as well as they should. And, and that's kind of what you need for him. It can't be him saying guys need to play defense. He needs to say, I need to play more. I need to play some defense. And and he's done that. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, The turnovers have been kind of better the last couple of games in the final couple of minutes from him, hopefully. Um, And he's been critical of his own sort of turnover issues too. So, you know, let's, let's see how that looks um, in a couple of weeks. We've all been kind of collectively wondering where the real Spencer Dinwiddie is in their wins. He's averaging, you know, like 16 points a game over the last like eight games. He's somewhere in like the sub 10 uh, range below 20% from three. It just, there's clearly something going on there. I will give him credit. Like he is um, leading the team in fourth quarter scoring at like four and a half points a game, which is nice to see, but there, there's got to be something going on there. And when Wes Unseld was asked about it after the Jazz game, you know, is Spencer healthy? He goes, I think so. He tells me he is, but you'd have to ask him about that. So, like, is that him kind of in, intimating that he doesn't think he looks particularly healthy, but he's being assured that he is? Like, I, I'm trying to read between the lines on some of this stuff. And sometimes it's maybe it's just coach speak and you don't know, or he's just trying to get out of the question. But 
all sort of interesting to to try to listen to those things and really dissect what what they actually mean or what they're alluding to, but don't really have a good read on that situation so far. I just want to talk about the broadcast for a couple of minutes because I have been sort of openly critical, especially last season of the NBC broadcast team. Drew Gooden is a guy I think I would very much enjoy going to have a beer with and just like watching a game. I think that would be fun for me. Um, you know, he's not going to give you the most technical analysis. Uh, you know, the the during the Spurs game, he talked about the team is uh, five of 15 in their last 20 games. Well, the team didn't have 15 losses at that point in the season. So I'm not really sure what he was talking about there. Or uh, in, in that same game, he talked about, you know, how Chemezi Metu and Evan Mobley both played at USC together. Well, they're like four years apart. So no, <laughs> I mean, maybe you got to do just like a tiny bit more homework there. Uh, against Utah, Gafford made like a semi-contested layup against Whiteside, and and Gooden said that, you know, that play will really make Rudy Gobert think twice about jumping with Gafford. Like what? Um, so I don't know. He says some silly stuff, but in my opinion, he's been better this season. I appreciated, you know, that he's been critical when they need him to be critical, and, and that's what you want. Like I'm I'm cool for like a certain amount of homerism. But it becomes disingenuous at a certain point if you're not willing to ever critique anybody. And um, he's called out the effort, you know, like that's sort of uh, the most I can ask for from somebody that's like basically a team employee. Like I understand that NBC, uh, you know, employees are, are different than strictly Wizards employees, but the Wizards do dictate to a very reasonable degree who that broadcast team is like, let's not get that twisted at all. If they want somebody out, they're going to be out. Like, you know, NBC relies on the wizards for that access. And uh, if if they just hate the people that are there, they're probably not going to be there long-term. So it's a tough line for those guys to skirt, I think is, you know, kind of juggling uh, how much they can say without like being full on mutinied against. I, I still really don't think like, of Justin Kutcher as a basketball guy. I could see him calling like a triple A baseball game very well or something like that, or, you know, like a big 10 football game. Like he'd be great at uh, Northwestern against Indiana or whatever, but I just don't sort of feel it. Like Buck Ants was sort of rare in the play-by-play guy, like being also from the area and a fan of the team and things like that. You don't always get that, but Justin having no ties to the organization, it, it just feels sort of, um, I don't know. It leaves me a little emotionless sometimes. I don't know how, how you all feel about that, but yeah, it's interesting at the very least. So I think they've been better. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there, but as somebody who called the one women's college basketball game in their college career, it's hard, man. Uh, it, it is a sneaky, harder thing than you would think. It's not just sort of talking about the game in real time with your buddies. Like it, it's a different flow to being able to talk through all those things in real time. And if you're the play-by-play guy, like be into it, but be, be the straight man, like set up Drew Gooden, be the point guard, put him in positions where he can be successful. I think that's what Buck Hans did really well when Drew Gooden filled in with, with Buck and Phil, I, I thought that that actually worked, you know, with him being able to provide some color and, and not having to carry things, but like, let's leave the corny uh, phrases and stuff like that, like behind, I think just this is a me thing again. Uh, I could be totally off base on this from from where everybody else feels, but like I don't need to hear Wizraeli every time Denny scores when Ruby comes back. I don't need to hear Kanichiwa every time he hits a 12 footer. Like, okay, we get it. You understand where those players come from. 
that was cool for like one season of them. And, and I think we're all good now. Like every once in a while, if you want to break that out, like so be it. But uh, just like maybe dial that down like 10%. I don't know. Again, personal preference. Be interested to hear in the comments after this episode what you guys think. Got some guests lined up for you here. Larry and I are going to knock out a podcast together in the next week or so, just kind of recapping everything that's gone on here for the last couple of weeks since we were able to record together. So look for that um, sometime, you know, around Christmas-ish, I would say. It's going to be good to get kind of his insight into these athletic comments and and hear what a player thinks about those kinds of things being leaked out and how big a deal that is or isn't and and how much we should kind of read into those things. So um, really looking forward to that. If there are any other guests you want to hear from, as always, please let us know. We'd love any kind of review on iTunes and things like that. Five stars are great, but leave whatever you actually think we deserve. And if it's less than five, tell us how we can do better. Really receptive to feedback. We've gotten only one non-five-star review uh, so far, which not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but um, that one wasn't particularly uh, constructive. So uh, I genuinely welcome feedback here. What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? Do you want sound effects? Do you want different segments? Um, you know, like we'll uh, we'll do our best to kind of listen to you all. So again, appreciate everybody listening. I hope everybody's having a great uh, start to their holiday season. Uh, Wizards did reinstitute the mask mandate at home games. Uh, this Omicron thing seems like a real deal. Whatever your personal opinions are vaccinations and things like that. I hope you all are still careful, responsible, and uh, we can keep seeing basketball. That's sort of my number one wish here is that, uh, you know, everybody can safely keep playing and, you know, we all have something to look forward to. As always, this is Believe in Wizards. I'm Matt Moderno. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate Aran Soroka for being such a, an insightful guest. So happy to have him on here. And uh, yeah, shout outs Denny Avdia for being a baller. All right. Until next week, everyone. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.